the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2 this Thursday, August 12, 2021. Open lines hour. Anything on your mind? 602-508-0960. I got a lot to talk to you about. Doug's in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. Well, good afternoon, Seth. Another great show. I thank you. Well, thank you, sir. How are you? I'm doing excellent. You know, um, I I love hearing the um, ordinary people, the mothers and fathers, the parents, um, talking about their frustration with the school system. If there is anything positive to come out of COVID, I think that is the awakening the parents is. Uh, the parents' um, awareness of what's going on, um, but I, I, I let's, think it's let's, yeah, uh, ordinary ordinary people. We used to call them citizens, right? Yeah. And 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 we one of the things I do worry about, Doug. Sorry to interrupt. I just have to say it because I think it's worth right. saying every time we talk about public education. I think it's important that we talk about public education as what that phrase implies: the education of the public. That's what public education means to me. If there's been yes. a new definition that came around and I missed it, I'm open. But as far as I know, public education means education of the public. And right now we're doing about yes. as good a job at that as the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is doing on prevention. Right. Well, I can tell you when I was in school board meetings back in the 80s, uh, when our kids were young, and uh, I, I think I related that to you earlier. And, and my great enemy were the conservatives because at that age, at that time, we began the great age of capitulation, getting along, you know. And I was not willing to do that. But that is when I heard a phrase that, war, you know, the first time I heard that was in the mid-'80s when one of the leftist uh, teachers there uh, basically said he was not a, a Democrat, he was a progressive. He was not liberal, he was progressive. That was the first time I heard that term. And it became very popular within five to six years, you know. But uh, I began to realize, and I, I, I was thinking about just telling what I did, because I was very fortunate that I was in a very liberal place, and they were begin all the liberal things that were coming out and going all over the country – we're beginning in California and very strong in the Seattle area where we raised our kids. Mm -hmm. And what I had to do, being a history buff, is it, the burden was on us. And we did not have all the great resources that people have today, like uh, PragerU and all the wow. homeschooling yeah. things. Good point. You know, uh, um, but what I had to do is um, I knew every textbook and I knew every subject and I would tell my kids and you have to inoculate your kids. If you do not teach your kids and inoculate your kids into every subject uh, that they are going to be taught, the left will, that will be their first introduction into that subject. 
I also began, I taught them Marx. I taught them the, uh, oh, Solinsky. I taught them the left, and I taught them the language of the left. And so, and I said, be prepared. Here's your teachers. You t- always have to show respect as adults, your teachers. But understand they are state union employees. Mm-hmm. 80% of them are leftists. And mm-hmm. here's what, and I taught them the rhetoric. And three quarters of the time, my kids would come home and say, did you take this subject? <laughs> and I go, no, but I know, I know leftists. Yeah. And so what happened is, when they heard it, it was the second and third time they heard it, and they it was like they could watch a play. Mm. And they watched, they, and instead of being indoctrinated and said, oh, my God, they're brilliant, they would say, you're talking just like the leftists mm-hmm. my dad talked to you about. Mm-hmm. And I didn't lose one of them to the left because I was ahead of the left. And I think we and the and conservatives do great disservice to turn it over to our church. The Catholic Church has gone very liberal. When you turn your kids over to other people and you watch sports, you have a good good chance of losing your kids. Mm-hmm. You should be reading their textbook mm-hmm. and reading alternatives and, and re- read your kids Solinsky, but not boringly. Make it fun. Make it engaging. Make it exciting because history is not boring dates. History is exciting movies of, of adventures, of ideas. And it can be engaging. And by the time the left tells them they, they should have heard it 20 times and they should, my kids knew more about the subjects than the teachers did. And they always got A's and they always were conservative in their values. You know, um, but it puts a burden on you. No, it does. But it's, uh, it's beautiful what you said. And I'm going to trap it and play it again at some point because it's everything. I believe for sure and for certain. And it's important for parents to know this. You can inoculate your children. It does, however, take work. It's not one book, one time, one talk, one time, right? It's, no. It takes no. repetition and work and energy. But welcome to parenthood. And if you care about your children and your country, you will do the hard work of parenting. And the hard work of parenting is not just, as you say, putting a roof over their heads and three squares in their belly. It's about the nurturing of their mind and soul as well. You said it so beautifully. That is what should inspire you as a parent. As a scout leader for 15 years, back when scouts were still considered a noble thing, and uh, we had a cub, we started a Cub Scout uh, pack, uh, not a troop, but Cub Scouts are pack. And because the one we had wasn't, you know, everything has to do with leadership. So my wife and I started one. Within two years, we had 75 boys. And so that meant at our PAC meetings, we had hundreds of kids, their brothers, their sisters, and we had campouts. And, God, we made it fun. We ended up getting so many of our these boys coming, and the, many of the single mothers wanted them to come because they needed male influence. And here is the key, and this has to do with us as parents, and they would come to us by 10 and 11 saying we needed male influence. And I'll say, I do, we need to do every, we'll do everything we can. But oftentimes, we're eight years too late. The indoctrination, the education, the programming, the, to, to program that kid's reality starts when they're three and four and five and six. By the time they're eight, they should be terribly savvy in all the ways that is. 
you know, and, and, and that's what we oftentimes don't do discipline until the hormones hit. And that by the time the kids hit hormone age, everybody said we had such great kids. You don't have any problems. And I said, that's because I began discipline Mm -hmm. and love and programming and three and four and five. So by the time they had testosterone for brains, they were just wonderful kids and I could educate and guide them. If we do nothing until you get to that stage, you cannot do enough to catch up. It's already late. I, I think you're right. The earlier, school. the better. The left gets it. That's why they're now operating in uh, in uh, pre. That, that's in why they're now operating in preschools. Yes. No, they get it. Yes. And before, right? Don't they want to teach? Uh, we we hit, we went through a month of, of of a lesson in this country that children can be born racist. Um, so it's even pre preschool. Believe it or not, the left knows this. It's about time we know this or understand it. But you know, you think about challenges to children. Parents have a lot of worries about their children, rightfully so. Things have changed a lot. Sending your kid to school today is not like sending your kid to school when I was a child or when you were a child. They have a lot more yeah. problems and threats to face. A lot of them include dangerous behaviors, social media dangers, um, really, you know, physical and emotional threats that have nothing to do with academics. You know, yeah. uh, the, the the kind of influences, uh, it could be bullying, um, it could be substances and drug abuse. There are drug-infested schools drug throughout this yeah. country, p- larger percentages than you would want Air to pressure. know. If you care Air about pressure. all that and protecting yeah. your kids from all that, why wouldn't you also want to protect them from noxious philosophies and ideologies that will ruin yeah. their brain and their soul and their country. Of course, you yeah. should want to. Of course, you should want to. But you're up against it. You're up against it. Yes, you are. You, you know, but, you're up against it because the entire elite culture says that you're wrong. The entirety yeah, of the elite but, culture says yeah. that you're wrong. And that's a lot to fight. And that's why I continually say you may not you, Doug, but others may think that it's not that important to hold a rally or stand on a street corner and honk your horn at a certain cause or to show up at a certain wrong or to call in to a show like this. It's so important. People need to know they're not alone and they need to know they're not crazy for thinking what they think when the rest of the culture is telling them they are crazy. They need to know they are getting diagnoses of craziness from the inmates who have taken over the asylum. I have to hit the break. You're welcome to stay if you have more on this, Doug. And I have others online as well. Don't go away. Plenty of time. All you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I, I just get a kick out of that song growing up with it as I did uh, listening to hippies and deadheads sing and play and dance to it in the name of uh, unity and everybody getting along and diversity, only to realize later once I read the lyrics they were singing a war song. They don't know what they're doing. Doug in Maricopa. Hey, Doug, thanks for your patience. Oh, God, no, not at all. You know, um, I, as you can tell by listening to my voice, I get excited when I get talking about kids. Yeah. Um, I, I have spent the better part of my life trying to influence the next generation in a positive, exciting way. But uh, I'll get off here quick. I just want to do a couple things before I go and let other people talk. That in everything, 
make it fun, make it exciting. If you're talking about something in drab, turn it into a story, make it exciting. When you're, we, no matter how busy, it was the president of our HOA, and I was in part of the Republican Party up there in King County, and uh, running a couple businesses in Scout Leader and everything else, all things stopped, and no matter how busy we were at supper time. It was our time to talk philosophy, to talk about our lives. Make it exciting and engaging. The more you're engaged in your kid's life, the more you inoculate them against the influence of others. Make it fun to have baths at night and part, you know, if it means going, skipping, uh, playing softball, I didn't play softball. I played with my kids. And it means apple parties at night when we would read Last of the Mohican, Thomas Sowell, and the rest, and the philosophy. And we would sit while the kids ate nuts and raisins and in, in the bed and make it fun and make it exciting. That kind of thing occurring daily gives them a, a moral and emotional suit of armor that the left will never penetrate. It does put the burden on you, but when the kids are off on their own and they have their own kids and they're doing so good in life, it is the treasured memories that you take with you the rest of your life. I want to I want to agree with everything you said. Thank you for saying it as poetically as you did. And also um, tell you that what you described often, and I don't want to get in trouble on this, but often enough, the kinds of things you described, and I'm now you had me thinking of my childhood. Um, you've described in many in many respects the work of a father. Yeah, and I'm thinking yeah. about you know the way my father taught me things, whether it was you know camping or sailing or building a fire with a magnifying glass. Or a kite. We, he loved to build kites, train sets, magic shows, all these kinds of things, magic uh, exhibitions, all these kinds of things. The role of a father. Um, yes, moms can do it too, but the impact of a father is um, really what you're describing here, Doug, more than anything else, at least at least 51% or more. And we live in a society that, unfortunately, has uh, put fatherhood at a tremendous deficit. And I don't think it's quite accidental. I don't think it's quite mysterious. And I don't think it's quite random that the biggest effort the progressives are engaged in when it comes to domestic policy is to remove the father from the house. You get it in welfare and in the war on poverty. And you get it from Black Lives Matter, which talks exclusively about moms and disrupting the Western family. Um, this is something Marx wrote about. It's something his co-author Engels wrote about. It's not surprising to try and take the state and replace the parent, in most cases yeah. the father. And so we end up in a condition where what you said at the top of this segment, Doug – sounded poetic and beautiful when 30 years ago it would have sounded fairly trite and obvious. When I don't mean that as criticism. Left. I hope you didn't take it that way. No, no, not, the, not at all. I find that they need to break the bond of the family. Matter of fact, one of the things in the, in the 10 steps of the Communist Manifesto is to break people's bond on the family. 
and to demean, you know, the, in, in one of the first steps of that is to break the father's role within the household. You bet. One of the stats... One of the stats in the black community is that even though blacks have a very disproportionately, black males have a disproportionately by far uh, effect of the crime rate, if you take black males that are in two-parent homes with a father in the home, no higher rate of crime than whites. It, the, the crime that occurs in the black community is not because of poverty, is because of the loss of the father and because 73% of those poor children are without a father. But with a father, no higher rate of crime than whites. That's, that's the control factor that no one wants to talk about. That's the control factor yep. that no one wants to talk about. Yep. Really, it is. God bless you. Sir. God bless yep. you, Doug. Thank you. Yep. Let, me, let, me, let me. Are you still there? Yes, I am. I, I, this quote came across my transom, and I immediately ordered the book. Um, it's not available yet. It comes out next month. It's called um, A Hunter-Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century, and it was written by two biologists, both featured in the Adam Carolla-Dennis Prager um, documentary, um, No Safe mm-hmm. Spaces. They were the professors, the husband-wife team at Evergreen State University that refused to not teach on a day that the school said only black people could attend, and they refused because they were white mm-hmm. not to not teach. And yeah. they refused to abs- they refused to go along with the order not to teach. They held class that day, and they were hounded out of Evergreen State. So they wrote this book that's coming out, and here's an excerpt, and I want to uh, – it's this excerpt that had me buy the book immediately. As I don't know the work of these biologists, and it's certainly not my field, but it seems like they know something that we should know. I'll quote directly. Stealing childhood from the young by organizing and scheduling their play for them, by keeping them from risk and exploration, by controlling and sedating them with screens and algorithms and legal drugs practically guarantees that they will arrive at the age of adulthood without being capable of actually being adults. That is beautifully said. Isn't it? Huntergatherersguide.com. That is it. Try to think of it this way. When your kids can leave, can they bake, can they do laundry? By the time my kids' boys left, they could do plumbing, electrical, carpentry. They were totally self-sufficient and excited to take on life. It is Parenting is one of God's great gifts and one of God's great burdens. But it is such a joy if we attack it with enthusiasm and a positive attitude. It is something you treasure. Matter of fact, Susie teases me the holes all the time that I was the one that had empty nest syndrome, not her. Isn't that um, interesting? I, I just treasure having kids, and that's one of the joys of the grandkids is you get to relive that again. You could, I'd say revel in it and work at it because you'll carry it with you the rest of your life. And so will they. And so will they. As King Solomon put up, train up, put it, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not forget it. Right? Not the dumbest man in the world, King Solomon. 6025080960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 508 
I had to clean up a few things before I take more calls. I was telling you um, when we're, when it came down to vaccines and masks and COVID information and everything I told you versus what the New York Times tells you, I'll just put my record from going back to March of last year, February of last year, February of 2020. I'll give you my record versus the New York Times. Can I read you something from the New York Times only from two months ago? Two months ago. Three scientific studies released on Monday offered fresh evidence that widely used vaccines will continue to protect people against the coronavirus for long periods, possibly for years, and can be adapted to fortify the immune system still still further if needed. Most people immunized with the mRNA vaccines may not need boosters so long as the virus and its variants do not evolve beyond their current forms. Mix and match vaccination shows promise. A second study found a booster shot of one widely used vaccine if they are required greatly enhance immunity, according to a third report. Scientists had worried that the immunity conferred by vaccines might quickly wane or that they might somehow be outrun by a rapidly evolving virus. But the findings renew optimism that the tools needed are already at hand. Okay. Okay. None of that is today true. That was the New York Times two months ago. News story. Three authors, all scientists, all, sci- all, all, all medical and science reporters for the New York Times. Not an op-ed. Let's put my record and Dennis Prager's record and Heather McDonald's record and Stephen Moore's record and Bill Bennett's record and that side's record, my side's record, your side's record against Anthony Fauci's and the New York Times when it comes to COVID, and we'll find out who is more right and who is more wrong. I don't think I've said anything wrong about this since March of 2020. Not anything. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm getting along pretty well. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Always, always. Well, you know, it's pretty clear that uh, Dr. Fauci and the New York Times are a broken record. They are a broken record, and they have a record of being broken and breaking things. I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, Seth, what I'm calling about, it was your monologue uh, in which you were dealing with uh, socialism. Yeah. It was very good monologue. Uh, I realized, though, listening to the rest of the show, that it this actually ties into all of all of that, uh, the monologue and everything that's been talked about today, and generally everything that's talked about on your show. Are you familiar with William J. Federer? That's F-E-D-E-R-E-R, William J. Federer. He has written a book. I don't think so is the immediate answer. I don't think so. Okay, he has written a book. Uh, entitled Socialism from Plato to the Present. Oh, wow. And it's really not so much that he wrote the book as he presents quotes going back to Plato and then coming all the way through history up to the present, showing how the idea of socialism has actually been present 
and is still present today, obviously. We're fighting against this still. But the idea has been that there are some who want to be in control, who want to have the power, and they want to be the ones that tell all the rest of us what to do. And that started way back uh, with Plato with the idea of utopia. Yes, right. And uh, it's interesting, he says in the book, and I haven't had a chance to look this up, but he says that the origin of the word utopia actually means nothing. Yeah, is, that's is that right. True? Yeah, no, that that that's right. It 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 um it's a it's a place that cannot be. It's yeah, a, it's yeah. a, it's an invention, right? Very, it means something like nowhere. Yeah, like nowhere. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, and then he points uh, giving all that all those quotes and all that information, he points to the miracle of America, the miracle of hold, America. Hold the thought, Rick. I lo- I'll, I'll let anyone continue who wants to talk about the miracle of America. We'll be right back. Boy, two months seems to be about the truth threshold for this administration and the left, right? Things hold for about two months. New York Times on vaccines from two months ago. Joe Biden on masks and vaccines from two months ago, Anthony Fauci and masks from two months ago, Anthony Fauci on masks every two months, a different position or herd immunity. Um, How about the Secretary of Homeland Security two months ago? How about that? Secretary Mayorkas, the border is secure. Remember that? The border is secured two months ago. Today, Announced 212,000 plus illegal immigrants were apprehended at the southern border during the month of July. During the month of July, a month after he said it. Now, some things don't last a full two months. When it comes to Joe Biden and Afghanistan, um, that's just a month. That's just a month. The Taliban will not take over confidence in the Afghanistan army. Complete withdrawal. That's what Joe Biden said a month ago. Now we're sending troops back into Afghanistan. I'm sorry. Uh, Rick in Phoenix, thank you for my uh, le- allowing me that uh, departure. Always. You are, you are the teacher, Seth, so <laughs> I'm always uh, happy to listen. So what I was saying about the miracle of America is that for the first time in human history, the power and the authority was coming not from the top down, but from the people, from the citizen up. And that is the great difference that all men are created equal and thus, we are the ones who are given the power. The, uh, you know, God has given us certain inalienable rights, and those rights come not from the state, but from God, and we are to exercise those rights as people. And that's contrary to human history, where kings and tyrants and the elite have virtually always 
been in control and exercise power over people. Now, that's also the great struggle that we are engaged in that is going on now, and that is, are we going to continue to be this miracle of the power being in the people, we the people, or is are the elites, the, the deep state, the whoever, going to overrun and take over? You used an interesting word, citizen, and how power comes from uh, citizens in this country, and that that uh-huh. was such an experiment that it was a novel thing when we founded our country to do that. Yes. Notice the contempt. Notice the contempt leaders have for citizens. Remember yeah. the New York Times reporter who only on Sunday justified Barack Obama's maskless unknown vaccination status birthday party of 400 celebrities and the New York's time, New York Times reporter said these were sophisticated people. Right, right. Not you and not me. Not uh-huh. you and not me. Made me look up sophistication in that audience. You know, the woman, I, did you hear me on this? The woman who, uh, who Was yeah, put out the video. jiggy with him? Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. She put out the video. Yeah. Uh, you know, the question is, 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 is not why would she put out the video? The question is not why was she there maskless? I want people to have a good time and be maskless. Sure. The question is why was she invited in the first place? This is an right. anti-Semitic follower of Louis Farrakhan who has had several run-ins with the law. Yeah. Why yeah. was she there, even in the presence of the President of the United States? You know, interestingly enough, Barack Obama and a lot of the liberals seem to hang out with some pretty shady characters. Well, Bill when Ayers. you start with when you start your political career in the living room of someone who says he wish he could have done more in trying to blow up the Pentagon, you yeah. realize that um, you're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Seth, may I make a right turn and and leave you with this thought real yes, quickly? Sir. Yes, sir. Your conversation with Doug was outstanding, and there are so many good things that he said. But it made me think about this. Somebody needs to write a book on the deconstruction of fatherhood in our culture. Because Doug was exactly right. You, you and Doug both were exactly right when you were saying that when he was growing up, when I was growing up, when you were growing up, fatherhood was what he was describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. I didn't mean to be sexist about it, but just when you think about what he was describing, that would have been something. Those were the jobs mostly taken on by our fathers, right? And, and that's not sexist at all, because okay. they understood then. We understand now that this was a, a team effort. Yep. You know, fathers and mothers yep. together were doing this. Yep. But the thing I'm thinking about the deconstruction of fatherhood is that somehow, somewhere, some way, over the last what. 30, 40, 50 years, fatherhood has been so deconstructed that children are growing up like you described in that quote from the hunter-gatherers for 2021 or whatever, for the modern century. Uh, that, that they that 55 years. Growing... No, 55 years ago, we can pretty much pinpoint it yeah. for, a, for, 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 for an impoverished family 
to receive a welfare check from the government, the father had to be absent, replaced, not there. Right. You married the government. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yeah. at that time, fatherlessness in the African-American community, seen as a crisis by the Johnson administration, was at 25%. Yeah. Today it's at 70. Right. If right. it was a crisis at 25%, find me the word that describes a threefold increase. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a uh, uh, an tragedy and an epidemic and serious has produced serious consequences. Find, find sure. one institution the left has improved. I was having a long conversation with a friend last night about the homeless population. We can pinpoint how that happened as well. It's yep. not a shortage of affordable housing. Right. That may be the problem in some instances and in some cases at temporary times. It's not the larger problem. The larger right. problem is deinstitutionalization, decriminalization, and drug abuse. That's yeah. the problem. That's right. That's right. Wow. Well, thanks again. And, for and the I want to say one last thing. Yeah. On the homeless population, it is not more compassionate to allow people who are mentally infirm at best to live as if it's the Stone Age. That is not compassion. Rob is in surprise. Welcome back. Hi, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. First of all, God bless Doug. He uh, obviously did all the right things as a dad. And, uh, boy, I wish we had more of him. Uh, second of all, um, I have to give a shout-out to Rick and Phoenix. Rick, uh, thank you so much for uh, saying some kind words about me last week, I think it was. Um, and, he, Rick, you were right again about the whole socialism thing and uh, socialism versus capitalism. I um, <laughs> 59% of the Democrats support socialism. Well, of course they do mm -hmm. because, you know, number one, uh, they think it's more fair. Second of all, uh, it increases government power, and it decreases individual individual power. Uh, it decreases individual freedom and freedom of choice, and it uh, ultimately grows government and thus controls an individual. Uh, it grows government to the point where, you know, we're going to have to pay higher taxes. Um, it's going to be... Uh, and again, this is an economic model, but in the sense of Marxist theory, uh, socialism is more of a transitional uh, state between the overthrow of capitalism and the realization of communism. That's a huge point that I think people need to understand more. Um, so I think it's, uh, it all depends on whatever the, the uh, question was involving you know, supporting socialism, well, to what end, for what purpose? And I'm very, very suspicious about uh, the end and the purpose, because it's really about the structure of money, power, big government, small government, and I just don't like it. And uh, a socialist system, you know, I think a lot of these folks believe that, you know, uh, socialism is like, uh, in Denmark and all that, but it's not. It's not what, well, they want to portray it as such, but no, it's a means to an end, which 
provides government more powers over the individual. It's sort of a utopia uh, in socialism versus a reality in uh, trying to get individual freedom, which socialism doesn't care about, you know, because they want to decrease individual freedom. And it's sort of like the whole fatherhood thing in the black community since the 60s. Uh, and I think that's, that's probably one of the greatest examples you can have. It creates mediocrity. Uh, and whereas uh, capitalism encourages individual efforts and rewards it. And I just, I, I think, you know, everything that's being told about uh, it is wrong. Um, that's all I have. No, it's good. I mean, I think there's a new mantra for socialism, and it's not workers of the world unite. We can thank Arnold Schwarzenegger for it. He he gave it today in an interview in California. Screw your freedom. That's what Schwarzenegger said to the people who don't believe in masks. Screw your freedom. I think socialism has a new mantra. It may have a new leader. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.